what a blessing, what a true blessing it is to be able to minister and, um, and to be blessed by, by people there, the people that you meet. Uh, it's just, it's hard to describe, but it, it's really good to, um, to go somewhere different and see the Lord at work and to encounter people uh, whose faith in the Lord is great, whose love for the Lord is incredible, and it inspires us uh, even more than we get inspired. Uh, but there's always those opportunities to minister, you know, and there were... Um, um, at least three kids there right at that soccer court that gave their lives to Christ because they were ready and they wanted to uh, receive the good news. And, uh, and there were opportunities to pray for people and opportunities to uh, just be there and, and to experience life together. And really that's what it's all about. It's, it's the heart and soul of what it means to follow Christ and to serve Christ. And sometimes we forget about that. Without moments like these, uh, whether they happen in Mexico or here, we forget about what the true purpose is. And when we forget about what the true purpose is, we, we get caught up in, in, in kind of what's right in front of us, in the world uh, that is around us, and, and, and we can get really off track. And, and sometimes it's difficult when we get off track uh, to know that that's what we've done. We often need someone or something uh, to tell us, to correct us, to say, hey, wait a minute, you've gotten to the place where you really aren't focusing on the right things, and you've really gotten to the place where you're in fact focusing on the wrong things, and, and that's a dangerous place to be. So for the last few weeks, we've been talking here at Tabernacle about this section in Matthew chapter 23 where Jesus gives a critique, actually a, a pretty hard and harsh critique of the religious leaders of his day and, and the system of religion that they have built, which I, which I think really missed the point of what God's mission was all about. And we've been talking about that, and Ryan's been talking about it, and tonight we want to continue. And, and the words of Jesus are, are very, very... Um, hard to hear sometimes. And I think it's important for us to remember that uh, because if there is a warning for them, there certainly can be a warning for us because we're all human. We all tend to get uh, focused on the wrong things and we all tend to get off track sometimes. But listen to the words of Jesus and strap on your seatbelts here for a minute. Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 29. Jesus continues, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and sages and teachers, and some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I tell you, all of this will come on this generation. Wow, it's pretty tough, isn't it? Why on earth would the people of God have killed the prophets of God? Why would anyone kill someone who's righteous, someone who's speaking the truth? Well, because sometimes the truth is dangerous. Sometimes we don't want the truth to be told, do we? Think of people who, uh, whether you've read about it in books or movies or even seen it in the news, there are those people who have to go into witness protection, right? 
because they have a truth that they want to tell, but telling that truth can be dangerous to whatever organization or, or group of people that it's dangerous to. And so they will go so far as to kill that person so that they can silence the truth that that person has to speak because the truth would be dangerous to them, to their way of life, to their system, uh, to what they want to do. And so they will do, go to great lengths, even killing to silence that truth. And, and so that person who wants to tell the truth needs to be protected, right? And that happens anytime there's a system in place that is built upon lies and deception and secrecy and values that we can't really know the truth because the truth will not set us free, but it will get us into trouble. That's what they believe. And there are those people who seem to want the truth, right? You have what we call them crusaders, right? Or people who are who are, want to tell the truth, they want to expose what's wrong, you know, um, the investigative reporters, if you will, or whoever. And then you have those people who say, no, 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 uh, we don't want the truth to be known. And one of the reasons they tell us they don't want the truth to be known, you know, we learned from that famous movie a few years ago, A Few Good Men, right? It's because when the prosecutor, Tom Cruise's character, wants the truth, Jack Nicholson's character says, you can't handle the truth. And you know, that, that's pretty true. To be honest, I mean, which one of us likes having the truth told? Which one of us likes, I mean, a prophet is someone who speaks the word of God and tells the truth. A prophet often stands outside of the system and speaks a word of truth. And, and that word could be one of hope or it could be one of desolation. It could be one of blessing or correction and rebuke. But it's the truth that the people need to hear for the moment. And we don't even want to hear that in our own lives. We say that we want the truth, but can we really handle the truth? Because here's what I see we have in this generation, in this society, is we have an epidemic of people who don't want to be told what to do. Am I right? Who likes to be corrected? Who likes to be rebuked? Who likes to be told that they're doing something wrong? Nobody. Nobody in this society wants to be told they're doing wrong, right? When was the last time you had a conversation with someone and they said this to you? They said, you know... I had a meeting with my boss the other day and my boss really laid into me. I had just been doing a bunch of things wrong. I messed up this project. And you know, she was right. She was absolutely right. And I really needed to hear what my boss had to say. And I'm so grateful that she corrected me. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> or do you often hear the exact opposite? Or when have you heard someone come to you and say, you know what, I was talking with my parents the other day and they were correcting me about the way I was handling things and my attitude. And you know what, my parents were right. I did have a bad attitude, and I was wrong, and I'm really, really glad that my parents rebuked me and told me the truth. I'm waiting for that day. I don't know if that day will ever come. Somebody can tell me if it comes. Uh, maybe my parents are still waiting for that day. They probably are. Or when have you heard someone say, you know, I was talking with a friend of mine, and she was just telling me, she was just saying, you know what, you're really off track. You're really not walking with the Lord as you should. And, you, and boy, she was right. I mean, I was just wrong. I was just away from God. I was just out doing my own thing. And she spoke a word to me. And man, I'm just so grateful. Thank you. We don't hear that, do we? Because we don't like to hear the truth. And, and here's what we do. We would say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, they aren't really saying the truth, you know. So then we start making all kinds of excuses about why it's not the truth. And then we start, uh, you know, we, we make our own judgments. We're society people that just wants to judge ourselves. They just let me decide if I'm right or wrong. Let me decide what to do. Don't correct me. Whether it's your boss or your parents or your friend or, or a pastor, a leader, or anybody. Nobody wants to be corrected. Nobody wants to be rebuked. So let's just be honest about that for a minute. You know, before we get too judgmental of those who killed the prophets and silenced those who were willing to tell the truth. But if it's true of us as individuals, 
then it's certainly true of us when we create a system. And by a system, I mean that when we get together and we organize in such a way um, that, that we create something, and, and when we lose sight of the purpose of that system, that's when we get off track. You see, this is what had happened during this day. I mean, as, as the worship of God grew um, in the religion of Judaism, the, the religion that Jesus was a part of, as the people of God began to grow and began to organize, a system developed. And as we've heard all throughout this passage, the things Ryan have spoken on, the things I spoke on, they were concerned with the elements of the system, the temple, and how we're going to get money into the temple, and the tithes, and, and we're concerned about maintaining the system. And we, we've forgotten the purpose that the system is supposed to serve, which is so that God's mission might be accomplished in this world. Think about this for a minute. It, it would be like someone who owns a car and they're really proud of their car, okay? It's a beautiful brand new car and, and they, they're the kind of person that waxes and washes it all the time, makes sure everything is just right. I remember even my grandparents, they had a plastic cover on the back seat of their car. Oh man, and if you got in the back, you couldn't even touch anything. It's like, well, I can't even open the window. No, don't touch that, don't touch that, don't touch that. Had to wash my hands five times before I sat in the back seat of the car. Some of you are nodding, maybe you had parents or grandparents like that too, right? And the car is pristine and, and, and you certainly, you know, you keep everything nice and, and neat and you, and you don't wanna, you hardly don't wanna use the car. I mean, that, that's how nice it is. They just want to keep it nice and running, and they take care of it. I mean, the oil, the maintenance, everything is all up to date, but they don't drive it in any bad weather. You know, God forbid you drive it in bad weather. And you don't drive it when there's any construction on the road, which means right now you can't drive it anywhere in Manchester. And you don't ever do any of that because this car has to be just right. And, it has to, and all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're taking care of the car, but what is the car supposed to do? You've lost sight of the fact that what is the purpose of a car? It's to carry people from one place to another. And I would try to tell my grandpa, you got five seats, grandpa. <laughs> it's supposed to be for other people that you carry from one place to the other. See, when we get so concerned with the system and maintaining the system, and we even, we even back it up, don't we? We say, well, I got to do this because, you know, it needs to be in running condition so that it doesn't break down. So I make sure the brakes are good and the tires are good and I make sure it's maintained. And I say, yes, that's right. But why do you do it? So that the people inside will be safe. But if you're not ever taking anybody anywhere, then what's the purpose of your car? The purpose of your car is to take you to work and back, Right? or to take you and your family to the school or to the store where you need to go. But even in that, the purpose of the car is really just for you. What if the purpose of your car is for something greater? What if God has a different purpose in mind for your car? And so God sends someone to tell you that. He says, listen, you know, there's a purpose for your car. God wants you to help the poor and the needy and to take care of them. And we get defensive and we get, we get afraid because we're so concerned about protecting the car and protecting our own purposes that we forget the larger purpose of God. And that's what happens in religion. That's what happens in religion and even in churches and even in governments is that we create this system, okay? And we're so concerned about protecting the system and keeping it clean and keeping it running and serving our purposes, those of us who are on the inside of the system, that we forget that it was established to be a blessing to the world, that it was supposed to be good news to the poor. And the Jews were so concerned about maintaining the temple that they forgot about giving to the poor, 
And they were so concerned about maintaining their status and their position and, and everything about them that it, they forgot that the whole purpose of the system was to be a vehicle by which God could bring a blessing to the entire world. And that was dangerous for them to hear this message. And so throughout history, people have killed other people because the truth is too dangerous for them. And they try to silence the truth. And Jesus says it happened from Abel to Zechariah. Abel is the first recorded murder in the Hebrew scriptures. Abel was murdered by his brother Cain because Abel's worship spoke of true worship. And it made Cain upset. So he silenced the truth in his brother by killing him. The murder of Zechariah occurs in 2 Chronicles, which is the last book in the Hebrew scripture. And he was, he was a priest who stood up to the king of the nation of Israel and to everyone and said, hey, you're not worshiping God the way you're supposed to. You're off track. You need to repent. And so the officials got together and they killed him right in the temple of God because they wanted to silence the truth. So from the first murder of the Hebrew scriptures to the last murder of the Hebrew scriptures, Jesus says, this is what you've been doing. And this is all upon you because you're continuing this tradition. And of course, we know why Jesus is saying that. Because not only have they killed various prophets and messengers from God, but they're about to kill the very Son of God himself. It reminds me of the parable that Jesus told that's found in uh, several places. Um, one of them is Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 9. Listen to this parable. A man planted a vineyard and rented it to some farmers and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him up and sent him away empty-handed. So he sent another servant. But that one they also beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. And he sent them a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. So the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I'll send my son whom I love. Perhaps they'll respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. I've sent you messengers, I've sent you prophets, I've sent you teachers, I've sent you sages, I've sent you people to speak my truth. And you've beat them and you've mistreated them and you've killed them. Oh, and then she said, oh, and then by the way, you build nice tombs for him and say, oh, how great they were. You know, that's part of your hypocrisy. But now the owner of all, the Lord of creation, is going to send his own son. And what are you going to do to him? You're going to kill him too. Because Jesus spoke the truth. In fact, Jesus said, not only do I speak the truth, I am the truth. So that's why I entitled this message, The Danger of Silencing the Truth. Because the danger of silencing the truth is this, that when you silence the truth, you silence Jesus because he is the truth. And in what ways have we silenced the word of Jesus? We may not kill those who bring a message of truth, but we marginalize them or we rationalize or we attack their character and we say, well, they're just crazy or they've got this problem in their life, so don't really listen to them. Is that because we, we have a valid point or is that because the truth is inconvenient to our lives or the truth is threatening to our lives or there's something that God needs to tell us? And why does he want to tell us? Because he loves us. 
It's not because he hates us or he's angry with us. He wants the best for us. And when you want the best for someone, you're going to tell them when they're doing something wrong. You don't get mad at a musical conductor for correcting the wrong notes, do you? He just wants you to be able to play the best music possible. God wants you to have the best life possible. He said, I created it. I own it. I know what it's all about. And when you forget that, I'm going to send you people to tell you. How are we going to treat them? How are we going to receive those who bring the truth? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says this. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. But test them all and hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Don't quench the spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. That's a challenge. Because whenever anybody speaks with any kind of authority, we have contempt for it. Oh, that's not really, I don't have to listen to that. That's not really, I'll be honest, I do it too. Especially as a pastor, you get all kinds of people coming up to you, God told me this. And you're waiting for it, okay. <laughs> What's it gonna be, you know? I'm just being honest. Maybe that's not right, but I'm being honest. This verse came to me, it said, don't treat prophecies with contempt. Don't quench the spirit. I'm like, okay, God, I repent. I'm being a little too cynical about these people that say they have a word from God. But then it says, but test them all and hold on to what is good and reject the evil. So I'm like, okay, so I'm supposed to test and evaluate whether this truly is the word of God, whether what is good in it or is it something evil? And how do you do that? Well, in Romans 12 too, it says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of their mind so that you can test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you're gonna know what's good when you're listening to the word of God. When you're listening to the voice of Jesus, then you're going to know what is good. When you're not letting your mind be conformed to the patterns of this world, to the systems of this world. And when we buy into these systems of the world, our thinking gets off track. And we become unable to understand and to hear the truth. And maybe we can't handle the truth. Because it would dismantle all of our systems and it would destroy all of our pretensions and it might even blow a wind upon this shaky house of a life that we've built until there's nothing left but us and God. And then God says, yes, now I can do something. Now I can build for you a life that I've always wanted you to have. One that's even better than you could have dreamed of. Listen to the voice of Jesus. Listen to the word of God. And you will be able to test and know when the truth is being told and when the truth is not being told. And let's be careful not to fall into the danger of just keeping the system going, just keeping the temple going, just making sure that the building and the programs and the salaries are all taken care of and forget that we exist as a church to serve the poor and to help those in need and to bring good news. And if God needs to send us a prophet that stands outside of us but calls us to something greater, then God give us ears to hear that. Let's close in prayer together. And tonight... We're gonna ask the Spirit of God to be that voice of truth in our life. I'd like you to pray this prayer in this moment. It's from Psalm 139, 23 and 24. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So would you pray that right now? Would you say, search me, God. Holy Spirit, search me. Examine my heart. If there's anything offensive, would you reveal it to me? And would you lead me in the way everlasting? Lord, as you examine and reveal what's in our hearts, would you give us the courage and the faith to respond in repentance to you, to change our ways, asking for your strength that we might lead and live a life that is pleasing unto you, Jesus. Amen. Tonight, as we celebrate communion together, we remember that the night before Jesus was going to be killed by these people who could not handle the truth, who did not want the truth, he got together with his disciples and he said, listen, I'm, I'm going to be killed, <laughs> but I want you to remember something. When I'm dying and my body is being broken, it's really for you. It's a sacrifice that I willingly submit to. Because when my body is broken and when my blood is poured out, it means that your sins, all of them, can be forgiven. And it means that you can live in the truth that I love you and I gave myself for you. And you are forgiven and you are clean if you simply ask for it. And by Jesus' resurrected life, we remember that we can live a life that is eternal, that is abundant, that begins now and never ends. So we invite you to come forward if you would like and to receive communion. And here you simply come up and, and rip off a piece of the bread which represents his body and dip it in the cup which represents his blood. And then you can return to your seat. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for this remembrance. We give you thanks for the truth that your sacrifice, your death, brings life for every one of us who believes. God, even for those who are choosing to believe in this moment at this time, I pray, Jesus Christ, that we would receive your presence, that we would receive your Holy Spirit, that we would remember your sacrifice. And I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, according to your word, the word of truth and your promises. Lord Jesus Christ, be glorified in our lives and in this sacrament. In your name we pray, amen.